Now, I wonder if we could turn this morning in our Bibles, the book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 11. We'll read from the first verse of the chapter. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 11, and beginning our reading at the first verse of the chapter. Deuteronomy, chapter 11, and verse 1. Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and keep his charge, and his statutes, and his judgments, and his commandments alway. For know ye this day, for I speak not with your children, which have not known, uh, and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm, and his miracles, and his acts which he did, in the midst of Egypt, unto Pharaoh the king of Egypt, and unto all his land. And what he did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord hath destroyed them unto this day, and what he did unto you in the wilderness until you came into this place, and what he did unto Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their households and their tents and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. Therefore shall ye keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong and go in and possess the land whether ye go to possess it and that ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey. For the land whether thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from whence ye came out, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whether ye go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord are always upon it from the beginning of the year, even unto the end of the year. And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in its due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived. And ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you. And he shut up the heaven that there be no rain and that the land yield not her fruit unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall ye lay up these words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand, upon your hand that the, uh, thy uh, uh, they may know, be as frontless between your eyes, and ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them, 
when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children in the land, which the Lord swear unto your fathers, to give them as the days of heaven upon earth. Amen. We know that the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts. Let's unite at the throne of grace in prayer, please. Our loving and our gracious God, we come to thee in our Saviour's name, and we do thank thee that thou art the God who guards us from the beginning of the year unto the end of the year. And, O God, we thank thee that thou dost bless those that follow thee and walk in thy paths. Help us as we enter into a new year to walk in thy paths and be obedient to thyself. Bless thy word to our hearts now, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. The children of Israel here are on the brink of entering into the promised land that God had given them. And here Moses is speaking to them. Moses has led them from Egypt. He has brought them out of their bondage. He has led them through the wilderness. He has brought them through the Red Sea to Kadesh Barnea, through the wilderness. And now they're camped here on the eastern bank of the Jordan, overlooking the promised land. Moses uh, will go up uh, onto the Mount, Mount Nebo, view the land, and there die. He will not enter into the land. But before he leaves them, he is going to exhort them, and he's going to uh, try and encourage them to walk with the Lord. And there uh, he reminds them of the power and the grace of God, the provisions that God has given, had given to them, how he had delivered them out of Egypt, how he had brought them through the wilderness. He also reminded them of the many times when they had failed, the many times when they'd been discouraged. In verse 6, it speaks about Dathan and uh, Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and how they had failed the Lord. And yet, even God still is faithful to his people. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 23, it says that the Lord brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us a land which he swear unto our fathers. So here are the children of Israel, and they're on the brink of a, a new era. They're on the brink of a new land. Something new is going to happen. They're going to have a fresh start as they enter into the land of promise. And they're going to see the reality of the blessing that the Lord had for them. And if you look at verse 12, it says of this land, it's a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year, even unto the end of the year. And they were to go forward into this land, knowing that the Lord was with them from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And as we stand on the brink of a new year, we're here in the last day of a, uh, an old year, New Year's Eve. We look back to the blessings that God has given us. We remember, we review the things that God has done for us, and we recognize that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. 
We know that there have been times of trial and tribulation. There have been sad times. But even in the midst, we can say as God's people that the Lord has brought us through. The Lord has led us in the midst of all of that. And we find here in Deuteronomy chapter 11 that the God who is with us from the beginning of the year even to the end of the year brings a challenge as well as a thankfulness uh, as they face this new era. And as we stand on the brink of a new year, our hearts are filled with anticipation and with challenge. Only God knows what the future holds, and the possibilities, of course, are limitless. But we also know that as we cross into a new year, we have the same God and the same promises that we always have had. God will supply all our needs according to his riches in glory. And maybe you come to the brink of a new year and instead of um, anticipation and challenge, maybe there is a little bit of dread or a little bit of uh, fear as you enter into it. You're wondering what this new year may bring for you. Well, I want us to encourage our hearts as we think of what Moses said to the children of Israel as they sat on the brink of this new era and for something new that God was going to lead them into. And I think that we can see the message that God has for our hearts here today. So for a few minutes, I want us to think of how God can meet our need in a new year. And I want you to see some things in the portion of Scripture here in Deuteronomy chapter 11. And first of all, I want you to see God's supply. Now look at verse 11 of chapter 11. He says, But the land whether ye go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. Here Moses is speaking to the children of Israel, and he's speaking about what lies ahead of them. And he says, What's lying ahead of you is a land of satisfaction. It's a land that drinketh the rain Water of the rain of heaven. That was the primary necessity for the children of Israel, of course, in that dry land in the Middle East there, in the land of Canaan. They needed water for their crops. They needed water for their herds. And they needed water for themselves. So when it speaks about rain coming down to these people, it was the symbol of satisfaction, of provision. This was God providing their needs. And this land was going to be a lot different from the land of Egypt from which they had come. You'll see that uh, Moses reminds them of the difference between the new land and the land of Egypt. If you look at verse 10, For the, the land, whether thou goest in to possess it, is not as the land of Egypt from when she came out. It's different. See, the land of Egypt was a, a flat land. It was a land that was watered by the Nile. There was very little rainfall, mostly a desert land, except where the Nile went through the desert and there was a little bit of greenery around where the Nile was. But they depended upon the flooding of the Nile and they depended upon making uh, tracks and uh, rivulets from the River Nile in order to meet their need. 
and they would dig these trenches and they would irrigate their land from the Nile. But it was all a lot of hard work that they had to go through. It was a a land of uh, hard work, but not Canaan, because in Canaan, the rain just came from heaven. They didn't have to dig out trenches. They didn't have to work at it. They didn't have to go with buckets to the river to draw their water and trek wherever they had to go with the water. It just came down from heaven. It was water that God supplied. And we thank God for the fact that God provides all our needs. We think of what he says. Uh, It says in Philippians 4 and 19, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We think of what the Lord Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, verses 25 to 26. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? And we can see that God provides. And God has provided. He's provided for you during the last year. And he's the same God who will meet our needs in the days that lie ahead. We have a land that drinketh water. Thank God for the water that God sends. And we think of the one who is the water of life, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So it's a land of satisfaction. That's what God wants to bring you into, child of God. He wants to bring you into a place of satisfaction where you can sit down and you can meet with your God. But not only is it a land of satisfaction, but this seems to be a a contradiction, but it isn't really. It's a land of struggle. Because we said about you might might be going through dark days. It it says here that the land, whether they went in to possess, it drinketh water. But it also said it's a land of hills and valleys. There's ups and downs. There are the high experience, the mountaintop experience, and then there's the valley experiences. And we think of the land where they went. There were the mountains like Mount Hermon or Masada, and there were uh, valleys like the Kidron Valley and Wadi Kelt and different parts, and there was desert, and then there was rivers. Uh, there were uh, def- there was green parts and desert parts, and it was a, a land of mixture. It was a beautiful land, but there were many difficulties in the land as well. And the same is true of our journey, and it'll be the same this year. I'm not the pro- a prophet or the son of a prophet, but I can tell you that this year will be a land or a, a year of ups and downs. There'll be good days and there'll be bad days. And I can tell you that, not because I'm a prophet, but because that's the way every year is. That's the way that every year has been in our lives. There are high days and low days. And there were difficult days, and then there are blessed days and happy days. And it's going to be the same in this incoming year. 
There will be uh, valleys and there will be mountaintops. Sometimes when we get on the mountaintop, we forget about the valley. And sometimes when we're in the valley, we forget about the mountaintop. We forget about the days of blessing. And we're concentrating on the valley. And it's shaded in the valley. And uh, there's a darkness in the valley. And we forget that there have been the mountaintop experiences that God has given to us. But you know, as we go, uh, we will have to traverse the valleys as well as the mountains. And it says in Psalm 37 and verse 23, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. It might be through the valleys, but we delight in the way. It says in Romans 8 and 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his, uh, his, uh, uh, the called according to his purpose. And we think of what Jeremiah 29 and 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of uh, peace and not of evil, evil to, bring, to give you an expected end. And we thank God for that. But you know, God brings us through the valleys because if we weren't in the valleys, we wouldn't appreciate the mountaintops. You know, if, if life was all easy and all bright, uh, we'd take it for granted. We'd take it that that's just the way that it is. And uh, we take so many of our blessings for granted. We never thank God for the fact that we live in a land of plenty and in a land of abundance. And we take it all for granted while so many in this world are suffering and they don't have the things that we have but you know, dear friend, if it wasn't for the valleys, we would take the mountaintop for granted. And God has to bring us through the valleys in order to teach us. And so that we value our times with him, those times of blessing when we walk with the Lord. So it's going to be a, a land of struggle, a land of satisfaction, yes, but also a land of struggle. And we see uh, something of God's supply. But then also I want you to see God's superintendence. Look at verse uh, 12 now. He says of this land, A land which the Lord thy God careth for, the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. So here's God promising his caring superintendence of us. It may be difficult along the way, but God cares, as we've said. But I want you to see his superintendence here. It is a perceptive superintendence. It says that the eyes of the Lord are always upon it. God sees the way that we're going to take. God knows the valley experiences and the mountaintop experiences that we're going through. God is a forerunner. He sees the way that we take. And when he has tried us, we will come forth as gold. But he sees the way, all of the difficulties, all of the obstacles, all of the, uh, the attacks of the enemy that they're going to be in this incoming year. God sees everything. He knew when the children of Israel went into the land of promise that there were giants in the land, that there were fortresses, mountain fortresses. And when the children of Israel went in and they saw the giants and the mountain fortresses uh, before this, 
they had uh, become fearful and they had doubted whether God was able to bring them through. And we think of how God had seen all of these things beforehand. Nothing takes the Lord by surprise. And, and we think of that verse again. He knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He knows. He knows all about you. He's interested in you. The, the wonderful thing is that God is interested in you and me individually. So we, sometimes that's hard to understand or hard to take in. That God knows everything about you. God is interested in you. You, you may think, well, I'm a small cog in the wheel. I, I'm a, a, a person that well, hardly makes an impact. I, I would, people hardly would know me um, if they passed me in the street. Uh, I have a few friends, and I thank God for my friends, but most of the people out there know nothing about me, and they don't. No, no, the, most of the people out there know nothing about every one of us. And yet God looks down from heaven upon you every moment and knows that the way that you take, and he brings you into the place of his blessing. His superintendence is perceptive. He sees. It isn't as if God's away up there and uh, sort of uh, looks after things generally. He sees. He sees you. He sees your way. He sees the way that you take. His superintendence is perceptive. And then his superintendence is powerful because no, no enemy was able to stand against him. The children of Israel took fright at the start, and they thought that they weren't going to get through. But then God brought them in, and the mighty fortress of Jericho, the very walls of that fortress, the very fortifications that they were relying upon, just fell flat in the very presence of God. And dear friend, our God is still able. You know, you think of the attacks of the enemy at the present time, and you think of how the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is under attack, and uh, Christians are uh, probably uh, the uh, enemy number one as far as many folks are concerned. But dear friend, we thank God that we have a victorious Savior. He's already won the victory there on the center cross of Calvary, and he is mighty to save. He is the Lord Almighty, and it's an almighty God that we're going to rely on this year. Not only is God's uh, presence and care perceptive and powerful, it's personal. I wonder, have you noticed, uh, he speaks here of the Lord thy God, verse 12, in the middle of it. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it. That's personal. He has a personal relationship with us. And he has that personal relationship from the beginning of the year even to the end of it. There's no time when God is not taking care of us. So this New Year's Eve, we have a vision of new opportunities, I hope. We are hoping for blessing as we cross into the new year. And he's watching us. He's watching over those that are bereaved. He's watching you. He is watching over the little children here as you go to school. He's watching you. 
He's watching over those that are teenagers and maybe trying to make a way in life. He's watching you. He's watching you. Maybe you have difficulties in your family, difficulties in your workplace. He's watching you. He's watching us every step of the way. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. But there's something else. Not only uh, have we um, God's surety here, or God's um, uh, supply and God's superintendence, but I want you to see God's surety. Look at verses 13 to 15. And here is God's surety, or his promise really. And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in the due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil, and I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full, and so on. And you can see the portion of Scripture there. What is Moses saying to the people? Well, look at the core of the promise here. It is that God would bless them. God was going to send the uh, former rain and the latter rain, or the first rain or the last rain, um, uh, the rain in due season, the rain when it was needed. He was going to send the rain at the proper time. The first rain fell in October and early November and continued for the space of about two months. And it was the rain that was necessary for the preparation of the sowing of the seed and preparing of the ground. And then the latter rain or the last rain fell in March and April in the spring, the spring rains uh, in order to bring the grain to full maturity and to uh, cause it to grow and to uh, burst out. And he says the, the whole uh, desire is that thou mayest eat and be full. That's what God wants for his people. There's certainly uh, a sense in which uh, he gives his commandments, but, the, but uh, there is this sense in which the Lord blesses his people with fullness. And you remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 37, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his seed be begging bread. God wants to bless you. But look at the condition of the promise. Look at verse 13. There's an if. If ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments. God wants to bless you. But there's an if, there's a condition. You need to be faithful. You need to be obedient to him. And what are we to do? Well, he says, I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. And really there you have the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then to serve him, serve others uh, by serving the Lord. There is the very heart of the commandments of God. But the first thing is to love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, as we look back across this year, let's be honest now. Let's think about our own hearts. Have we been doing that? Have we been loving the Lord with all of our hearts? Has the Lord had the first of our hearts all of the time, 
Or have there been times when we have gone our own way and gone in our own path and sought to do our own thing and sought, as it were, to um, go in some kind of selfish uh, way that is for our own desires? Have we followed the Lord with all of our hearts and souls and minds? We need to, in order to serve God aright, in order that his work be done aright, you've got to first love the Lord. You see, that's, that's the secret. If you are serving when loving the Lord, you'll love other people. You'll love his people. You'll love to get the gospel out. You'll love to serve him and do what you can. And your service will be transformed if you love the Lord first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We've got to love the Lord first. And what a challenge this is as we enter into a new year and many people make resolutions and we want to serve the Lord and love him with all of our hearts and with all of our souls and with all of our strength in these days. Notice the promise is a caution. Look at verses 16 and 17. He says, Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up heaven that there be no rain, and the land yield not her fruit, unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. You can see here, there, if you don't, if you don't serve God, if you're not obedient to him, if the Lord is not first, then God can shut up heaven. God can stop the blessings. God can uh, slow down the blessings that we have. And we want the blessing of God. We want God to step in in these days. And the key to that is to love the Lord with all our hearts, constant dependence on our God. But there's one more thing that I want you to see very briefly here uh, that God is going to give to those that are faithful to him. God's security. We have thought about uh, God's supply and God's superintendence, God's surety, his promise here. But then look at God's security. Look at verses 18 to 24. He says, Therefore shall ye lay up these words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as front frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doors of thine house and upon thy gates that your days may be multiplied in the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon earth. For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you, to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, then the Lord will drive out those nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Every place wherein the soles your feet shall tread shall be yours from the wilderness and Lebanon, and from the river, the river Euphrates, unto the uttermost sea shall be your coast. 
Now, there's a, there's a prophecy in that as well. In the time to come, um, Israel will possess that territory from the wilderness to the river Euphrates, right into Iraq. They will possess that in the, the time to come. But look at the condition of the safeguard. He speaks, uh, we have spoken about serving the Lord with all of our heart. But more specifically here, he says, ye shall teach your children, speaking of the when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And part of the condition of our security is that we bring up our children to love the Lord, that we make it a priority to teach our children to love the Lord with all of their hearts and with all of their souls, teach them the Scriptures, teach them the things of God. They're not an afterthought. They're not something that is a little addition. It is fundamental, fundamental, that we teach our children, that we bring them up to love the Lord, that we bring them up to know the Lord as their Savior. We, we can't, we can't, I'm not saying that you can uh, force your children to love the Lord. You can't do that. But as best as you can, there's many, a parent has taught their children and their ch child has rebelled against them. I know that that can happen. You, you can't force these things upon them, and I'm not saying that. But what we do is do our best to make sure that our children know, are brought up in the nurture and fear and admonition of the Lord. That is part of our security. If we're going to be a people of the gospel is going to go forth in the days to come, then there's a new generation that's going to arise when we're gone, and they're going to have to carry the gospel. And we need to teach our children and bring them up in the nurture and fear and admonition of the Lord. But look at the conclusiveness of the safeguard. He says, then will the Lord drive out all these nations. And he goes on, and this constitute God's promise. God will drive out. God will give us the victory. We are on the victory. Now, you know that when the children of Israel first came to the brink of the promised land, they went in and they failed. They, they didn't depend upon God. And many of those uh, perished in the wilderness. They perished. They didn't see the blessing. Their children did. They didn't see the blessing. But God's plan and purpose was not thwarted. God did bring his people into the land, and they did win the victory. It's just some of those people fell by the wayside. And you know, it'll be an awful thing. We know that God is on the victory side, and God will win the victory. But it would be an awful thing if we were like the children of Israel that perished in the wilderness and never saw the blessing. There's a blessing there, and God wants to bring us into blessing. But we've got to follow him. We've got to be faithful to him. And we've got to walk with him every step of the way. So we go into a new year. It's a year of anticipation. Maybe you're facing it with fear. Maybe there are things that you know already is going to face you in this new year. But we have a God of victory. And if we walk with him, he says, 
then will the Lord drive out all these na- these enemies, these enemy nations, these emissaries of the devil, we would say. God can deal with the mightier nations and the mightier problems that faces. God can deal with them all. Let's put our hand in the hand of our God as we go into this incoming year. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank thee for thy precious word today. We do thank thee that we have a God who is with us from the beginning of the year unto the end of the year. We have failed thee in many ways uh, in the year that has gone into eternity. But Lord, we thank thee that we can trust in thee and help us to trust in thee with all of our hearts and souls and minds and strength. Bless thy word for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Can we sing a verse or two of 429? Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go anywhere he leads me in this world below. The first two verses of 429. Our loving God and our Father, we pray that thou wast bless us now and bless us as we part one from the other. May, may thy grace be upon us in these days. And Lord, be with us throughout this day. Bring us back in the evening time in thy fear and with thy blessing. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen.